You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Uh, We are in part two of our series this morning on what we've called the Resilient Resilience Project. And uh, last week, um, Matt preached a phenomenal preach on enduring faith. And so today we're going to take on part two and the title of our preach, and we're going to share it together, is Breaking the Power of Intimidation and Fear. And uh, we've seen an increase of fear, an increase of intimidation worldwide. And uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear of intimidation. Um, Before we preach right now, I want us to prepare the, the soil of our hearts uh, Gabby did a phenomenal job the other day in the evening at uh, the leaders, all leaders. Uh, and we brought before the Lord and we confessed before the Lord uh, fears that we bring. All of us carry fears. And we're really believing today that all of us are going to cross the Jordan together. That God wants to bring healing in our hearts from fear and intimidation. And that God's going to do a, a miracle in our life today. So would you put your hand on your heart? Holy Spirit. Do whatever you want to do and prepare our hearts today to break the spirit of fear and intimidation and release us, Lord, into the fear of the Lord and you agape love, agape love. Amen. Last week, Matt uh, brought to us. No, no, no. We're... Monica's going to sit down in a minute. No, I'm going to sit down in a minute. <laughs> but I just want to uh, sum up a little bit of where uh, Matt left us last week on resilient faith, resilient faith. We're not called to uh, live this Christian life as a sprint, but it's a marathon. And God is looking for a faith that endures. He's looking for a mature bride that when the adversities of life come, we run the good race. In the words of Paul says, I have finished the race. I've kept my faith, amen. May it be said of all of us at the very end, I've kept my faith. No matter what the enemy throws me or society throws me, I have enduring faith. And Matt preached on four things last week. Enduring faith is anchored in the person and the presence of Jesus, not people and circumstances. Enduring faith is tested. Tested. We've all been tested. Have you been tested? If you haven't, you live in another planet. All of us get tested. Jesus got tested. Thirdly, We have enduring faith in community, in community. The enemy wants to steal us, take us out. Look at all the things we don't like about the local church. There is no perfect church, but it's in community that we grow together. And fourthly, he says that it is used and worked out. It's solid and worked out. So our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a currency, Matt reminded us. It's transactional. It's not a currency that if I have enough faith, then God is obliged to do things. No, it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to look at bad fear and intimidation. And then we're going to look at the resolution or God's plan for that in Jesus' name. Bless you, Monica. Off you go. Hi, everyone. So uh, this Resilient Project, it's such a great series, especially in the times we live in now. And as I was praying into this, one of the things that we need to stay resilient is to learn how to fight. We need to learn how to spiritual warfare, how to war in in the spirit. Because we've got an enemy, he does not want us to be resilient. 
He wants to take us out. He wants to make us quit our race. He doesn't want us to finish with enduring faith. He wants to, us to lose ground, even quit our faith altogether, but usually it's a little bit at a time. So a little bit, a little bit, slow fade, and then it's like, where did my faith go? So we need to, we're not, we're not looking for demons in every bush. We're staying focused on Jesus, but we need to be aware of the schemes of the enemy as he tries to slowly, slowly rob us. Um, last week, Matt quoted Tozer. I love that quote that he quoted. Faith is the gaze of the soul upon a saving God. It's so beautiful and so true. Do you know what the enemy's mission is? To distract our gaze. To distract the gaze of our soul from our saving God. That's his mission. And he'll do anything to distract our gaze away. He, he wants to turn our gaze to ourselves, to our circumstances, anything that's away from our saving God. Uh, the Greek word for pneuma is... Um, the Greek word for soul is pneuma, which means my will, so what I choose, my choices, my mind, what I think, and my emotions. So to keep our gaze on our saving God of our soul, we need to keep our will gazing on our saving God. We need to keep our thoughts gazing on our saving God, and we need to keep our emotions gazing on our saving God. Now, one of the devil's favourite weapons is fear and intimidation. He wants to give us a spirit of fear and a spirit of timidity or intimidation. 2 Timothy 1.7 in the Amplified, I like the Amplified too, Leanna, <laughs> says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. So God did not give us that. Who gave it to us? The enemy. It's a spirit, so it's given by the enemy. What has God given us? But he has given us, God has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. So that's what our God gives. And our job, he gives it. Our job is to surrender to that and receive what God gives, and to flee from what the enemy wants to give and be set free from what the enemy wants to give us. So I had a look at the, I like the Greek words. Um, in The Greek word for fear in 2 Timothy is delos, delos. I, when I read that, I thought, that doesn't, that's not a great word for fear. That's a really pretty word. <laughs> and fear's really ugly. <laughs> I don't think the Greeks got that right. But anyway, that's what it is. So, delos means derived from fear-driven, describing a person who loses their moral gumption fortitude that is needed to follow the Lord. Refers to an excessive fear or dread of losing, causing someone to be faint-hearted, cowardly, hence to fall short in following Christ as Lord. Dread, timid, faithless and fearful all such ugly things that the enemy wants to put on us, all of us. Sounds like the, that's the enemy's destiny for us, to, for us to lose our moral gumption or fortitude, to lose our resilience, um, to lose our grit, 
as DJ preached a powerful message a couple of weeks ago, uh, the enemy wants us to lose our grit. And this morning, I just want to hone in a little bit more on the form of fear that is intimidation, spirit of intimidation, which I've um, journeyed with a lot myself. So I want to um, speak into that this morning. The modern dictionary intimidation meaning is frighten or overawe someone to deliberately make someone feel frightened, especially so that they will do what you want. Now, we don't battle against flesh and blood, right? The Bible says that. So that's what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to frighten us to make us do what he wants. And what he wants is completely opposite to what God wants, of course. So he wants to frighten us so much that we, that we draw back, we faint back and do everything opposite to what God wants. He's called the father of lies and it says that he accuses his people, uh, God's people, day and night accuses us day and night. He intimidates us, he frightens us to make us do what he wants. Over many years of praying with people, I love praying with people and seeing Jesus set set people free because he does it so amazingly. Um, Some of the common lies, one of the main, or some of the common lies that come up over and over again praying for people is, I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, I'm not as good as her or him got nothing to offer, I don't know what to do or say, or conversely, I'm better than others, or God is not always good, at least not to me, he's to other people, but not to me. What if I fail? What if I succeed? What if I let God down? What if I'm, I'm never going to be happy? I'm less than others, or I'm more than others? And notice everything about these lies that he whispers to us and accuses us night and day, all about me. I am scared. What if I? What if I? Me. So he turns our gaze, the the gaze of our soul from our Redeemer King, and he turns it inward. And it's like, oh, I don't think I can do that. Now, when the, and when the devil dishes up a lie to us, he mixes a little bit of truth in so we don't feel, so it's a little bit believable to us. So, I mean, re- really, the truth is none of us are good enough, right? That's why we need Jesus. <laughs> we need a saviour because none of us are good enough. We all fall short of the glory of God. Um, but that's not the whole truth. There's a little bit of truth there, but the whole truth is that in Jesus, because Jesus died on the cross, rose again victorious, we now have everything that we need to walk in all that God has called us to. We have the full inheritance that Jesus has as a son or daughter before our Father. We're equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're clothed from on high. We're not orphans. We're clothed from on high by the Holy Spirit. So a little bit of the truth is we're not good enough, but the whole truth is in Jesus, we have everything that we could possibly need to walk into all that God has called us to walk into. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And part of this has like an unravelling of the web of lies that the enemies fed to us with the powerful, active, living word of God. Just a couple of examples of intimidation from the word. David and Goliath. So the Goliath, Goliath 
came before Israel and said, I defy you, give me a man to fight. Uh, And all of Israel was intimidated by the giant. And then David came along. And we know that in the Psalms, David's eyes, his gaze is on God all through the Psalms. He says, oh, I would have been like this, but but I looked to God all through the Psalms. His gaze was fixed on God. He knew the victory he had in God. So all of Israel was intimidated by the giant. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. This day, people here will be set free. And I will strike you and take your head from you that all the earth may know there is a God. That God will be glorified as we're set free. God is glorified. He had no fear because he knew his God. He had his gaze on his God. Not on what he could do or not do. And then there's Gideon. I love Gideon. Hiding away in the wine press. I'm the least in my family and the least, and my family is the least in Israel. Which again is probably had some truth in it. It was probably true. But then God came and declared who he is. He said, you go in my power, you mighty man of valour. God declared his identity. I am with you. God said, I am with you. Go in my power, not in fear and in intimidation. Go in my power. Have I not sent you? And has God not sent each one of us? And he says to each one of us, go in my power. Have I not sent you? And I, I really like that Gideon still had a little bit of doubt and insecurity, so he put out his two fleeces, asked God a few more questions, but God didn't seem to bother too much because Gideon stayed with him. He stayed processing with him. He didn't say, oh, no, I can't do that. No, sorry. But he stayed with God, put out his fleeces, and then God used him mightily. So even if we don't get it the first time, it doesn't matter. We just keep, keep pressing in, keep pressing in. So let's um, just go back to 2 Timothy. And the verses around that, key, the key verse, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. The verse before that is verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So this is Paul speaking to young Timothy, discipling him. So before he says, don't have a spirit of fear, he says, stir up your gift, use your gift. Don't forget to use your gift. Don't forget to walk in what I've put in you. And then he says, do not fear. Um, God has not given you a spirit of fear. And then the verse after um, says, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. So the verses before and after are talking about walking in our gifts, our calling, our purpose. And in between that is God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Because if we have a spirit of fear, it cripples us from walking in the purposes of, that God has. It kind of paralyzes, paralyzes us and stops us walking in his purposes. 
So it's so important for our enduring faith to be set free from fear and intimidation. And I just wanted to share a bit of my testimony relating to intimidation. As Matt said, um, always says, testimony means do it again. So I've been set free from so much fear and intimidation over my life. And I believe God's going to do it again. (laughs) He's going to set people free today. So in my um, 20s, I think we'd been married a year and a half or something, I had severe back pain. I woke up one morning and I couldn't walk for about six weeks. Uh, And then the pain went on for quite a number of years. So I'd go, I could still function, um, but quite bad pain. So I'd go up for healing. uh, And one day they had a call for healing, so I went up for healing. And the people that were praying for me sensed a spirit of intimidation. They said, I feel like this is linked to your back. So they prayed off this spirit of intimidation, which I had suffered with my whole life, um, an intimidating fear. And as they prayed, everything went black and then everything went light. And I just got delivered from this spirit of intimidation. And it never came, it was, never came as oppressing again, but I still had to walk it out. And my back got about 30% better at that point. And it was almost like I was cowering. Uh, it affected my posture, this intimidating fear. Uh, and it, so God made us so interlinked. Our whole bodies are linked with every part of us. So sometimes we do have an ongoing ailment could be linked to something spiritual. Uh, and then, as I said, God could have just gone like that, healed everything back, no more intimidation for the rest of my life. He didn't. He can. <laughs> he didn't. But I, I walked it out in process with him. And that's so special, walking out something in process with him, because it's like our Father assures us, gives us reassurances of who we are in him, gives us revelation and um, new revelations of healing. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing walking, processing with God. The Bible says that our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. So my weapons where I was delivered, set free, um, processing in his presence, and then being transformed by the renewing of my mind. So Romans 12 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when we sing that song, Burn Like a Fire, I always think, oh, I can see like thoughts getting burned like fire by the Holy Spirit burned out of our neuro pathways. So I read a book um, by John Bevere, Breaking Intimidation, and that helped unravel some of the patterns of thinking I'd had my whole life. Um, And most importantly, the living, active sword, the word of God. Every time intimidation would rear its ugly head, I would declare that verse. God did not give me a spirit of fear and intimidation. He gave me a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And there was one more verse that I want to leave you with before I hand over to Paul. And this, this was so powerful for, my, for the journey of my back and intimidation. It's found in Isaiah 51, 12 to 16 says, who are you that you fear mere mortals, human beings who are but grass, that you forget your maker? And that just, someone prophesied that over me and that just hit me. <laughs> it's like, who am I that I would fear 
other people and forget about God, forget about fearing and being in awe of my God. So at that moment, I repented and said, sorry, Lord, for forgetting about you in this fear journey. Uh, Repented of fearing people more than my creator, my Lord. That you forget the Lord your maker who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, that you live in constant terror because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. So I'm believing this morning people who do live in terror will be set free. For where is the wrath of the oppressor before Jesus? And then it says the cowering prisoners, the cowering, cowering, the cowering prisoners will soon be set free. And that actually brought some more healing to my back because I was cowering. So adjusted my posture according to God's word. Then they will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. This is a powerful God that we serve, that sets us free. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with a shadow of my hand. That's the best place to live, under the shadow of his hand. I who set the heavens in place, who lay the foundations of the earth and who say to you, you are my people. You are my people. You are his people. So I'm going to hand over to Paul and I just want to leave you with Jesus has purchased our victory by his precious blood. We could leave it there, couldn't we? So I want to briefly talk about the solution to fear and intimidation. And I want to start by talking about a good fear. See, there's bad fear. I have a phobia, a fear of snakes. Been bitten once by brown snakes. I hate snakes. But the opposite to fear is another type of fear. It's the fear of the Lord. That's the fear. So I'm going to bring two solutions to the spirit of intimidation and fear. One is the fear of the Lord, and the other one is agape love. Agape love. These two are the solutions to a spirit of intimidation and fear before the Lord. So I wrote a definition, if we can break it up. As I was preparing for this, many of you probably have studied what is the fear of the Lord. And this is something that, that the Holy Spirit gave me in the middle of the night at two o'clock when you can't spirit, when you can't sleep. The fear of the Lord is living in the constant and conscious awareness of the presence, holiness and reverential awe of King Jesus in my life. How's that for a definition? The fear of the Lord is living in the constant and conscious awareness of the presence of God. See, when I'm living in the presence of God, the spirit of fear can't come upon me because the presence of God is with me. The presence of God is the omnipotent presence of Jesus in my life. He's here right now, right now. As I'm preaching, as Monica is preaching, next to you, Jesus is in this room. He's here. The presence of God is not some you know, little thing that we've invented in Pentecostal circles. It's the very eminent presence of King Jesus. It's the awe of God. 
It's the reverential awe of God that if I'm living in the awe of God and the reverence of God, this intimidating spirit cannot come because His presence repels the spirit of intimidation. It repels it. Romans 8.31 says this, What then shall we say these things? If God is for us, presence, who can be against us? Intimidation. If God is for me, God of the universe, King Jesus is for me. No matter what fear comes against me, I have the living God right in my presence. When whatever fear, phobia come against me, Jesus is with me. And He has every right to tell fear to get lost because He defeated it on Calvary, on Calvary. Some scripture, Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, fear not, says the Lord, for I am with you, Emmanuel, God with us. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God with us. Isn't that amazing? So when I'm in the conscious presence of God, I'm conscious about His presence. That's why we make much about the presence of God as a church community here. Because I don't wanna depart from His presence. Because there's safety, there's healing, there's an anointing, there's a breakthrough. The enemy hates the presence of God. He, he wants to intimidate you. As Monica said, he wants to take your guys off the presence of God and onto the presence of yourself. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord brings wisdom and understanding. How often do we make decisions about life, about relationships and finances, and then we ask God to bless them. And then we get intimidated and full of fear when they don't happen. Can I encourage us this morning, get before the Lord and ask Him first. What do you think about this relationship? What do you think about this money? What do you think about this investment? What do you think about church planting or the nations? Come before Him first. And then the spirit of fear will leave. Will leave because it brings wisdom. Wisdom. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Fountain of life. Fear cripples you. Intimidation cripples you. Spirit of dread will put you in a spiritual prison. But the fear of the Lord, the awesomeness of God liberates us, sets the captives free. Today, God wants you to cross the Jordan. Today, He wants to break, you know, familial spirits. He wants to bring you out of that place and bring you into the joy of the Lord. Amen. A quick testimony. I've been intimidated many times. And for many, many years, I suffered from a spirit of dread. Never did. Can I say up to the age of about 35, never suffered from anxiety. Never got intimidated. A lot of that was immaturity and arrogance. I felt I'm untouchable. And then the testing of life comes. And then things happen. Then financial things happen. And a lot of ministry things happen. And Mary knows about a lot of these. And Mary and Russ have stood with us for years. But I had to come before the cross and said, I will not be a prisoner of intimidation. Even though there's no money in the bank, even though people are living in the church, my God rules and reigns. 
And I learned to live in the presence of God. Said, if everybody lives and I still only have the presence of God good enough for me. And that spirit of dread and intimidation left immediately. Occasionally it comes back, but I've learned how to pick a good fight. I say, Jesus, would you beat the, you know what, out of the devil? And he does every time. I don't fight him. I let Jesus fight the battle on my behalf. And intimidation under the Word of God, the presence of God has to leave, has to leave. It's demonic. That spirit of intimidation, it's a demonic spirit. And God, as Monica said, did not give it to you. He's a good father. He gives good gifts. If the presence or the fear of the Lord repels fear and intimidation, agape love seals us in His presence and power. 1 John 4. As I was about to come and preach after Monica, somebody in the, uh, in the congregation this morning sent me a scripture and it's this scripture here right now. By this we know that we abide in Him as He is in us because He has given us His Holy Spirit. Amen? I'll read that in English. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son Jesus to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, His presence, and He is in God. It's all about the presence of God. Don't you love that? So we have come to know and believe in the love that God has for us. God is love. And the Greek word there is agapeo love, the purest form of love. God is agapeo love. And then it says this, and whoever abides in love abides in God and God presents Himself or abides in Him. But this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence, resilience, confidence for the day of judgment because as He is also, we are in the world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love Cast out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Fear will punish you, will punish you, will intimidate you, will shrink you, will take your, it's all about me and nobody loves me. And that church, they, nobody loves me and cares about me. That happens when we take our eyes off Jesus. When our gaze of our soul is removed and comes down here, we lose every time. Perfect love. God is love. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not an angry, grumpy God. Amen. I worship a happy God. I, a, a God who gives me good gifts, sound mind and love. And He presents Himself, the God of the universe, presents Himself in your life. What a blessing. Have a listen to this. The difference between bad fear and agapeo. Fear punishes and it intimidates. It makes us shrink, makes us anxious and depressed. Fear in presence. It brings us dread. It makes us feel and fear the worst. Makes us feel hopeless and isolated. Fear attacks faith and makes us look away from King Jesus. Agapeo love builds. 
releases, points us to our true north and reveals our true identity. It brings joy, it brings faith, it brings hope. Agapeo, contrary to intimidation, never fails and is constant in our lives, paid by the blood of Jesus. It always turns the gaze back to our King. Can you see why perfect love cast out fear? It repels it. It repels it. So when I'm walking in the presence of God and His Akabeo love is with me, fear cannot come. In fact, it'd be a great practice to say, come on, I've got Agapeo. Fear, you can't touch me. 2 Corinthians 13, the great scripture on love. I'm gonna pick it up from verse four. Listen to this. Agapeo, it says in your version, love. But let me put the original word in there. Agapeo is patient and kind. Intimidation is a bully. It'll bully you. It'll bully you to submission. It'll bully you into a prison. Agapeo builds you up and releases you. Agapeo does not envy or boast. Intimidation always competes. As Monica said, am I ever good enough? Will I ever be good enough? Agapeo does not envy or boast. Sorry, Agapeo is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Intimidation is full of pride full of pride because I make it all about me and myself. Don't you love me? Thank you for that. It's getting warm. Agapao bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and that is resilient faith that endures. The fear of the Lord the constant and consistent awareness of His holy and reverential presence repels fear. We live in a day riddled with fear. Our lives are riddled with fear. And in the Word of God, we have the promises of God. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never leave you or forsake you because God doesn't give you that spirit. And we are different to people outside in the world because we are people of the covenant. We are people of agapeo love. We are people that we love the very presence of Jesus and the demonic hates it. Just this week, in preparing for today, both Monica and I, on different issues, got intimidated. Isn't he a mongrel? If you don't like that language, whatever. But I hate his guts. I always get tested on preaching. And Monica said, oh, I got intimidated with this thing. Because he knows that God's going to break some stuff this morning. Because his promises have yes and amen. That God wants to set you free. He wants to break generational curses. He's asking whole families to walk into the presence of God. For us as a church, a church in revival, is to take our eyes off ourselves and onto the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.